that's not Kanye. Like this, it's oh it's Kanye, God, but it's dude. not Kanye. Dude, it is Kanye now. But yeah. it's so funny because he just his chair's on the ground. He's just standing straight forward, looking at him like something Kanye would do. Like yeah. when you say something stupid, and he just looks at you. The Kanye stare. He was giving yeah. him the Kanye stare. Bro, that's big brain. I wonder if Dude, it was you inspired were, by Kanye. You were thinking in doggy style last night, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> it gets all the blood flowing to my brain. Yo, I can't. I can't. Shizzle, dude. Tat completes his performance and Joe thanks him. Bro, oh. imagine being thanked by Kanye. Yeah. Imagine. Oh my god. I would be like thrown back into the wall by some crazy energy force. I'd been throwing up. I wouldn't know how to handle that. My body would just straight up vomit. Yeah. yeah Start melting. She'll be rolling. You ready? Yeah. Yo, what's happening, everybody? It's your host, Die Meister singer, Von Franny Pack. And I got my co-hosts here today. I got Rhapsody in Pink. We got Clef Note Pizza. Oh, that's Lego Pizza, bitches. I'm making a musical pun, dude. No, I'm totally cool with Rhapsody Pink. Everybody back up. He's making a pun. But I just want them to make sure that they know I'm made of Legos. Yeah, but for this jam, you're Clef Note Pizza today. Okay, Daddy. No, <laughs> off to a good start. It's it's a high Meister singer von Franny Pack, but we'll we'll get used to it. So what's happening, people? This is episode six review of Tack Top Destiny, and uh, I like this episode. We didn't get any action at all in it. Just character growth. Yeah, no D twos, I think, right? No nope. D2s. And they actually kind of made a little joke about it in the beginning uh, while they are driving. But before we dive into the episode, let me make sure I don't have anything we want to go over. Okay, the name of the episode, what is it? Sunrise or Rooster. Mm-hmm. Cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> yeah, cock-a-doodle-doo, motherfucker. Yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> Shout out B. Willis. B. Willie. Uh, dude, the OP... I was listening to the OP the other day. I think I texted you this Lego. And the same thing happened uh, when we were uh, covering Darwin and the Franks. I was like, eh, the OP, I don't like it. I was saying that in the beginning, but then it just hit me one day. And I listened to it, and I'm like, this is beautiful. Yeah, it is a really pretty song. But it, it makes me sad, honestly, the OP. Like at the end. For Darwin of, and the Franks, yeah, right? No. This that one. That one just makes me like kind of like, eh. See, I had the same experience with this OP for Tactop. You're saying this one makes you sad, too? Yeah, there's like a certain feel about this, like right at the end of the OP where they both reach out to each other. And it's really set home after episode three when they said that Destiny's eating Tact. And you could see it in the OP. She like reaches out, but she looks void of emotion still. 
Oh, yeah. And then they got that soft little end, and it's them both standing there, and it kind of fucks me up. Oh, shoot. You, you seem choked up, up, Pink. I hate yeah. that. Sometimes I listen to it, and I'm like, I don't think it's going to end happy. I just think, like, how it's orchestrated, all the instruments put together, and how passionately... Oh, I just had the word, man. I'm doing it again. Damn. It's just so passionately expressive. Mm. Like, mm. With, this, with everything. Yeah. And that's how they describe tact, how he plays his music a lot. Passionate, so, yeah. Uh, and to the point, straight. It's, they talk about how Grand Maestro Asahina had the same thing. His father, Ken Asahina. And they ta- they cover a lot of that in this episode. And I really, really enjoyed this episode. The aesthetic killed it. We got the jazzy New Orleans. We made it to New Orleans, people. Mm-hmm. New Orleans. It was actually really, really rough to see how it was a, just a ghost town. New Orleans. A ghost town like vegas a ghost town d2 is d2 is what everyone thought covid was gonna be <laughs> nice one dude or hurricane katrina for new orleans sake dude, so i was thinking like they're calling kenji asahina ken and they are in mm-hmm. america so i'm like huh like this english dub might actually be like i mean it definitely will it just depends on how well they execute it really fitting for this anime yeah there's a lot of English names. Destiny, Titan, Lenny, Anna. We got a Joe in this episode. Yeah. I have a feeling that uh, Tact and his father are just Japanese Americans. Yeah, absolutely. Because, it, I mean, obviously we don't know if he would have like some sort of accent, right? If it was like dubbed in English and he was just like a... Like, he was actually born in Japan and has an accent when he speaks English or whatever, because everybody's talking Japanese right now. So you can't tell if there would be any of that. But it'd be interesting to see if they have, like, a, an actor with an accent, which would kind of give you more backstory, even though it's literally just based on a voice actor, how they speak. It's rare we get that. I remember JoJo's That's exactly adventure. What I, I was going to mm-hmm. say, JoJo's is one of the best ones for that. Part two, the, the English dub. Our, our star, Joseph Joestar, he had an excellent English accent. Yeah. And this is something we don't see a lot in anime. I mean, it's getting very popular in this moment right now in time, so maybe the funding will eventually get there. But right now, I feel like it's just it's too much of a hurdle versus, you know, it might not be worth it for most. As we see, it's not worth it for most companies. But Right, well, we don't even know if we're getting an English dub, too. So Yeah, my point is that it's going to be... It it's gonna be fitting, yeah, for, yeah sure, for sure for this one. I'm interested to see it, and to hear it. Uh, but yeah, we get the date right from the jump again. It looks like it's gonna be a thing. And last episode mm-hmm. was, I think it was like September 9th or something like that. And now it's the 18th. Yep, yep. This one I paid attention. To. I was like, I didn't see it last time, and I was like, eh, I'm not gonna go back and look for it. But this time I wrote it down. I was like, oh, I can't wait to say it. And thanks. So after like <laughs> a a week's worth of road tripping. With uh, Mommy Anna driving, uh, we get Cassette intact, having like a real conversation in the back of the car as they're riding through New Orleans checking it out. And Tack gets his mind blown after she makes an actual joke. And the joke is just so flat. It was just it, that it was like so cute. I love that when she makes the joke, jazz music starts playing. Like, right, it's, like, very coordinated, very specific. They did it on purpose, and it really set the tone for the episode for me. Right, and then after the joke, she's got to have, like, that whole, oh, well, you know, it's only about music with you anyway. It's not music, you're complaining. Yeah, so she's you, like, you were right. She's now equipped with attitude. 
Yeah, they teased a little bit, bit of it last episode. I think it's great that we really harped on it. Mm-hmm. And then this episode's like, here you go, served it on a plate for us. Perfect timing. This episode confirmed a, quite a few things that I've been saying over like the whole course of this show. And her like growing from other people is one of them. I love how, too, like right after that little joke and the two going back and forth, Big Sis Anna comes in and just goes, shut up again. There it is. And then right when she says the shut up (laughs) music stops like instantly. Oh, nice. It was a really sweet moment. It was just like, this is a song for this little joke and a little bit of feels that we're going to give you. And then when she says shut up, the song is over, baby. And I love that. Well, at least somebody listens to Anna. Yeah. It's me. I mean, I'm, I'm people. Yeah, we're all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you know how it goes, Pink. But dude, we even though it was a little joke, a little scene, little score of music, there's a little bit to take out of it as well. Uh, she said, "So you want D two? Then I'll go get some for you." Just looking at him straight face, and that was the joke. Uh, she says, "That was a joke." Knowing you, probably has to do with music. And I was just when I, when this happened, I'm, I'm like, Tex, just think someone understands me. he's like when did you learn that trick and she said fundamentally i am different than you maestro i'm going i'm growing day by day unlike you who only thinks of music day in and day out she basically said she's built different Mm -hmm. (laughs) like straight up fundamentally she threw in there too Ooh. Uh, I think this is a nice progression from last episode where we saw hints of her smart ass tact inspired personality start to form and she's going to be one of those dummy, smart, super hot, know-it-all honeys who diss you and correct you all the time, but you love it, and we welcome that here. Always. With open arms. Mm-hmm. It's just something to look forward to. For all of our hearts. May they all flutter. For eternity. So, dude, it's time to go shopping. And they leave. Tag, they're like, Tag, you're useless. He's like, yeah, I know. Don't break the window. He's listening to his favorite piano song and the AC is on. Yeah. He's literally just a hot dog in a car. Yeah. And uh, the store clerk's like, just the two of you girls going all the way to New York? And I like this. This is when uh, Cassette says, as long as I'm around, there is no problem. I will continue to do what I need to do. And the store clerk's just like, what? Wow, what a reliable little girl. <laughs> it's a little scary. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to lie. If a little robot girl walked in my shop and said that, too, wearing that crazy bright red eye shadow, I I think I'd be a little unnerved. She's like, I will do what I shall do what I must, Pink. And she's looking at you all serious, dead looking. No, please. I'm good. (laughs) Back. (laughs) Take your scary ass kid. Go somewhere else. I know I don't get many customers lately, but uh, I can't have that in my store. This is just reminding me of, you know, I was said like kingdom hearts music like that happy upbeat soft jazz uh like uh, lobby type music almost yep. yeah me of like you know those shops and that little town in kingdom hearts that's bumping and the clerk throws his back out conveniently right and he can't deliver his goods so uh it's one of those like classic video game plot push Side quest scenarios. Uh, that's exactly deliver what... this to my friend. Yeah. You'll get 300 XP and 50 gold. That's exactly what I thought of, too. So You got... know what? It's because this is actually just an advertisement for it's... a gacha game. This is actually a quest that you could play in our new mobile game. I sure hope so. I would. 
I would off myself on the spot. Deliver the milk to the cafe lady. And uh, Cassette's learning manners at the porch right here from Big Sis Anna while playing, while just being adorably imposing over Apple Jam. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so, it's, she it's, like Cassette, um, so it's not out of character for her to be like, oh, I would absolutely love some calories and beep boop. Yeah. She, like, almost runs into the, sh- like, into the woman's home and, like... Anna has to, like, stop her before... before Scold her and inform her. So she's, like, learning right here from Big Sis Manners. Yeah, so She's getting a little sassy, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But more importantly... More importantly... Anna's thick figure with that 20-gallon dumper (laughs) is just too much for the porch to handle when it breaks. See, I took that differently. I thought it was because, you know, she's carrying the entire group on her back. That's a lot of weight. Oh, Oh, and see, this show reinforces that for sure. See, and mm-hmm. I thought it was because, you know how, like, Cassette's super strong, but she's really tiny? I was like, maybe she's just, like, really dense, you know? Oh, like that, uh, like that thing's poop from Futurama? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nibbler. That Nibbler. Yeah. That's funny. What a <laughs> solid reference. Thank you. You're welcome. Yo, but, like, this, once again, Anna just proves herself to be so reliable. Now she's like doing deck repair, yeah, on her day off. Her... Like what? She and to fix the tire. Is she's a store clerk helper? Fixes the porch, saves a kitten named Tom, and then as she's doing it, she says, "Don't worry, I'm used to doing stuff like this." Yeah. Oh, she's just so helpful. Which a bad self. <laughs> uh. This is the time where I'm like, okay, Tact is, uh, they keep taking on more side quests, and their boy Tact, their poor dog Tact, is still in the car, and they just straight up forget about him, bro. Yeah, he's got to be sweating at this point. He's just sitting in there, (laughs) the whole time. (laughs) Excuse me, one more time? I'm sorry. Ah, okay. That's that's what I thought you said, but I wasn't sure. He did take a nap, and he wakes up from a dream. And uh, this this giant D two with a very specific face, uh, probably meant to remember. Kind of looks like a giant hollow. Kind of big bleach vibes right here. I thought it had mandibles too. Like its mouth opened up sideways. Either way, it's it, it's a specific face that they yeah. put all up in your face on the screen. Like remember this. This is the giant D two that killed your father. Mm-hmm. It shows when he was a kid crying right after the Boston massacre. Yeah. Only uh, in Boston. You know what it reminded me of, actually? And it just kind of D2s on a whole, actually, is uh, the one Akatsuki member from Naruto that has, like, the little masks. like Kakazu. Yeah, Kakazu. The masks in his body where each one's, like, a heart. But then, like, they go out of him, and then they just have, like, this black blob form, but with the mask still, and that's, like... That's literally, like, the giant wow. uh, the giant level hollows and, and bleach as well. And oh, it's so okay. specific because the... Ichigo had a very similar situation. A specific giant hollow kind of looked like that. Uh, took away one of his parents, and then he has to revisit and battle it and face it in an early arc in the anime. And I was like, oh, this seems like it, it might be doing the same thing. But we see Hell and Heaven. I haven't met Heaven yet. We saw her in the My Anime list, though. Mm-hmm. Another uh, music art. And the OP. Yeah. Yeah. And oh yeah, she's a general Grand Maestro Sagan's music mm-hmm. heart, as a matter of fact. But they're seen as the D, that giant D two disappears in the dream. They're seen there, standing in the bottom. So I'm like, all right, so it was either 
destroyed by them or it disappeared and it's going to come back later. It looked like it was destroyed. That's what, Those cuts were very similar. A good old one-two cross slice from those buzzsaw heelys again. Yep. Things don't survive that. Yeah, I'm curious if we see that memorable face that they put up in our face of the screen for a reason. It but, could be like multiple D2s of that like nature or, or you know Yeah, what I mean? a type. Like there's a rare type, but just they're like, scary. Yeah, just like the hollows and blades, dude. Well, because there's a couple D2s that there's been like multiple of that same type of D2, right? Like yeah, we've gotten yeah. flyers, we've gotten like gorilla guys, we've gotten pill bug guys, but there's usually come in multiple numbers. Yeah, and that's just one big daddy. Right. So, um, after he wakes up, he literally probably is sweating, and, uh, he sniffs out some music, of course. He stumbles into a New Orleans jazzy basement bar, dude. He literally sniffs out that, that music. Not literally, but close to it. Close enough. And you hear When the Saints. By Louis Armstrong. I, once I heard Louis Armstrong, Come I was in. like, oh, shit. Oh, when the saints. When the saints. Oh, when the saints come marching in. Damn. I was so happy to hear that. I was like, thank God they did this in New Orleans of all places. Thanks, Louis. You can leave now. Yep. Yep. The money's on the door. See you later. Right, Call please. me. And, dude, man, it feels good to hear some music in this anime. For real? It really does. Like, when I was, like, tacked, I'm right there with you, bro. I feel this. I'm happy with you. This is this feels good. And it's, like, real music. Mm-hmm. For the American boy. The American boy. <laughs> and he's in awe by, all like, this giant music archive, like, uh, around in bookshelves all around this bar, all on the walls. Uh, first thing he looked at was Die Meister Singer von Nuenberg. By Richard Wagner, our boy, the ride of the wild curry, dude. Our waggy. Yeah, Richard Waggy, uh, performed by Kenji Asahina. So his father covered this, uh, you know, Valkyrie character inspired, real real historical musical motherfucking badass dude, man. Mm -hmm. The German king, Simp. Speaking of Simps, speaking of Simps. I love how the bartender's just, like, standing there, like, oh, it's a nice CD you picked out there, kiddo. It's an unusual one from such a young boy as you. He reminds me of me so much of, like, when I'm telling you guys about an anime or something like that. Just really overly passionate and hyper. Gotta watch this VTuber! Throwing his hands around. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so, dude, I got some interesting information about Die Meister Singer von Nuenberg. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Uh, is a music drama or opera in three acts, written and composed by Richard Wagner, our boy. It is among the longest operas commonly performed. That's kind of interesting. Usually taking between four and four and a half hours. Holy shit. That's a, that's like, that's, that's a whole Lord of the Rings movie. <laughs> it was first performed at the National Theater Munich, today the home of the Bavarian State Opera in Munich. On the 22nd June, 1868, the conductor at the premiere was Hans von Bülow. The story is set in Nuremberg in the mid-16th century. At that time, Nuremberg was a free imperial city, and those are the center of the Renaissance of Northern Europe. The story revolves around the city's Guild of Meister Singer, or Master Singers. So it's like a guild of singers, dude. Like a real life one. Dude, that's why can't really we cool. get a why can't we get an Isekai of that? Dude, that's what this guy just pretty much did. It's interesting. The master singers had developed a craftsmanlike approach to music making with an intricate system of rules for composing and performing songs. 
The work draws much of its atmosphere from its depiction of Nuremberg of the era of the traditions of the Master Gilders Master Singer Guild. The work draws much of its atmosphere from its depiction of the Oh no, I said that one. One of the main characters, the cobbler poet Hans Sachs, is based on a historical figure Hans Sachs from the 1494 he was born. Lived the 76, 1576. That's a good life back then. The most famous of the master singers. He's a real dude. This is what's interesting. Uh, Die Meistersinger von Nuenberg occupies a unique place in Wagner's archive. Or his au revoir. It is only comedy among his mature operas. And is unusual amongst his works in being set in a historically well-defined time and place. Rather than a mythical or legendary setting. For example, Valkyries, Gods. Huh. Uh, it is the only mature Wagner opera based on an entirely original story, which is what this anime is, devised by Wagner himself, and in which no supernatural magical powers or events are in evidence. It incorporates many of the operatic conventions that Wagner criticized against his essays on the theory of opera, such as rhymed verse, arias, choruses, and a quintet and even a ballad. So, this was a very specific, unique, stood out from Wagner's whole musical discography, I suppose. Right. And it's interesting how his father chose to take that. And this is only comedy. It's his only original. It's his only one that is not like a fantasy. Right. Pretty much. And what it's interesting that the writers chose to have that be the one that tact pulled out right like not just something else that his father did like obviously he was going to pull out something that his father did but specifically that one for it yeah being like an original story this anime is an original story i love that little that's why i gave all this background information about this specific opera because it was enough to give us another richard richard wagner and asahina connection right but then they threw in this you know, why'd they choose this one? It's interesting. So I, it's got to be foretelling something, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like we in for a comedy episode, maybe not really. We didn't get that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's interesting because I feel like this show, they've constantly done these information, like kind of like hidden, like Easter eggs yeah. kind of things that they just want people to pick out. And they've really put a lot of care and thought into everyone that they do, which I really appreciate. Because it's like, you know, it's their original story, so they have a lot of play to work with that, you know? It's not mm -hmm. just like they have to follow the manga. It's not in the manga. They're not going to do it or whatever. Yeah. So I really appreciate that, and it, it it's really rewarding as a viewer who is trying to analyze the show and trying to really get every last bit of flavor from the show. Yeah, they drink all their Cocoa Puff milk. Exactly. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> Only men of culture do such a thing. Yes. Which we are. Obviously. The, the and all these viewers are. Yeah, and we're not cringe. And Only I have hot. a harem. The bartender is familiar with Kenji Asahina. And he, he's like, I'll play that shit. Just give just buy a drink. And tack like a freaking dope ass brolic ass man. He orders like a Americano coffee or something like that. All right. Okay. Well, you didn't specify what kind of drink. Uh he and you can hear the bartender like rubbing his glass as he's talking to him. It's like, e -uh, e -uh. I was like, oh man, that's kind of you know, that was weird. Tact is surprised not everyone hates the name Asahina when he plays the music, because the Boston tragedy caused that Sagan declaration. Right, bro. 
everyone there understands that's not his dad's fault. It's not like his dad put a giant tuning fork in the ground and was like, oh, come on, come get us, here we go. <laughs> like, that, that shit happens. It did show that Tech must feel some sort of shame or guilt. Yeah, which is nuts. Bearing that Asahino name. Somebody's smart as tact. I didn't expect to hold on to something so, like, obvious. Well, he's not impervious, so it makes sense that this would be his, uh, the chip on his shoulder, I suppose. Yeah. I think trauma is something that is really difficult for people to get over in general, and something that you witness personally as a child, something as stark and horrific as seeing your father get massacred. And then all the other people at the opera as well. So that's those... just related to it, this guilt and shame. That's what I think. I think that he holds on to it because he's just like so saddened by the by everything that happened. And it's then he... welded to the trauma. Right. And then because of all of this stuff that happened at the event, no one can play music anymore because of the declaration. And it just compounded everything into just like one shitty moment into a lasting shitty time frame until the last four years when they quote unquote defeated the D2s. Even though they're back now, but yeah. Oh, I'm back. All right. Justin Timberlake and Sync. Down, 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 And the D2 come back. <laughs> they're all doing the dance. Oh. They also all have perms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking like ramen. I was about to say, one of them's got like actual ramen on his head. Uh, this the, is why we're not the writers of the show. <laughs> <laughs> they're lucky. Uh, he's awesome, and his conducting is smooth. The bartender says about Asahina, he's familiar. Uh, he even quotes his famous words, dude. Music is the light that shines upon people's heart. It's like me do- being like, like, Pink, you knew you knew Kamina from Gurren Lagann? And Pink's like, Shh, did I know him? He's like, believe in the me that believes in you. Yeah. It's pretty much the same thing. That really happened. He said, you know, even... He even visited here once to New Orleans. Rhapsody in blue. The place was jumping. The crowd couldn't stop applauding. Which, yeah, I thought was really cool. Like, he he got to tour through, like, New Orleans and play. The home of jazz. And then he gets to do his own jazz number there. I thought that was interesting when you said these people in this bar understand. If anyone is going to. Because this is, like, the council, the, the, the... the wise men of music, mm-hmm. you know, here in New Orleans, the people that don't give a damn about the declaration. He said, we've been playing music the whole time. They all chuckled confidently. Yeah. And some of them raised up their glass like, yeah, we'll keep doing it too. And they're this- humble about it. It's really, and it's kind of like they're the everyday working man, almost kind of like what we were described in uh, Meister Singer von Nuenberg. Yeah. The, the Craftsman Guild. They were all just yeah. everyday workers. Wow. Yeah, it's like they're the guild, dude. They're the guild. Oh, that's... there it is, doggy. Yeah, dude. Holy shit. That actually, that brings up another point though that I want to make. It kind of ties into this where uh, I think it was like right before this when it was still on the cassette and uh, Anna scene where the woman that they deliver goods to is shocked that they she sees young people. Oh, yeah, that's right. Even and, the clerk mentioned old people in town. Yep. Right, so, like, there's not a lot of young people around. At first, I thought it was foreshadowing something, like, tragic or, like, maybe this was, like, a trap. I feel like that a lot of times you're like, oh, there's first time I saw a young person alive. And then they're like, you look delectable. And then they, like, eat them or something. Like, I feel like I've seen that happen in, like, a show before. Yeah, but, but that's horror movies. Right, right, right. But I was still, I was like, they're foreshadowing something. But my new thought process on this is that, 
the young people wouldn't understand the music. Yeah, right. So they purposely put like older people from a generation that would be appreciative to New Orleans history, New Orleans jazz, and the grand or and uh, Tax Father, the maestro. Yeah, and I, I think that conductor. right. I think that might be the reason that they decided that you know we're just gonna have you know older people here and be like this bastion of this old guild of like jazz singers and jazz players and, mm-hmm. and things like that who would appreciate tax history and his father. Yeah, like that American music headquarters almost. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll explain that a little bit more when we talk about that Rhapsody in Blue the bartender mentioned. But yeah, even Maria's mother, that lady Maria, that in the a little later on, she confuses Anna by, she's missing too, her daughter. And she they even mentioned she was missing at a young age. Yeah, so I don't know if they're going to like, there is something more sinister going on or if it was, you know, just because they wanted an older generation to really give a vibe of this old school I, I music theory. Right. And they might have accidentally manifested a little red herring of like, oh, is there something supernatural happening? Yeah, yeah. But even, uh, it's different because there's nothing supernatural happening in this episode, just like no. in uh, Meister Singer von Nunberg. There you go. Yeah, dude, that's another similarity. Different from all the other episodes, different from all of his wow. other works. Wow, dude. I I think that the more you talk about this, the more I'm like, that. that's definitely the reason that they chose that as the thing that he pulled out. That's nice. I'm figuring this all now with you guys. I was trying to think of it before, but hell yeah, dude. I didn't th- see a connection to it at all. I'm just like, oh, cool. It's like one of his dad's CDs. Of course he'd go look for that. <laughs> never, on, like, never do that in real life. <laughs> and you're just on like 7,000 layers of study this particular CD. Oh, uh, yeah, so... Rhapsody in Blue, I have a little info on that, too. It is that, you know, what I remember it from is Fantasia, seeing all the construction workers going around. I don't know, can you do a better one? Not but really. But we can like, play I it know, in the intro again, I know dude. the song. Yo, let's that do guy, that. Hopefully that guy died plus 70 years ago. You'll never hear me say that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we don't get copyright strike. Yeah. Clip this. Yeah, or else the... <laughs> The mouse who shall not be named will be coming after us. Uh, Rhapsody in Blue is a 1924 musical compo- <laughs> composition composition written by George Gershwin for solo piano and Yo, jazz band. The a Gersh, collaboration. Dude? The yeah. Gersh? The Big Daddy Gersh? Yeah, Big Daddy J. Daddy Gersh. Gersh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting because it's a solo pianist all co- collabing with a jazz band. So that is perfect for Master Asahina traveling. To mm-hmm. New Orleans, uh, which combines elements of classical music with jazz-influenced effects, commissioned by band leader Paul Whiteman. The work premiered in a concert titled An Experiment in Modern Music on February 12, 1924, in Alien Hall, New York City. Whiteman's band performed the Rhapsody with Gershwin playing the piano, a.k.a. Asahina, a.k.a. Asahina. Can, uh, we, can we call his dad Big Daddy Gersh now? I, I, no, he's the rooster. He's the oh, rooster, dude. Right. Allison Chains reference. Yo, I <laughs> wrote that down in my notes too. I'm like, Allison Chains? Okay. Dude, wasn't Allison Chains the rooster written about his father too in war? That's what they called him in I the army. I don't know if it was about his father, but I know it was about like the Vietnam veterans. Oh man. Yeah. So Dude, that would be epic, especially because it's another American band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, give me that. The Rhapsody is one of Gershwin's most recognizable creations and a key composition that defined the jazz age. Sorry, I'm, I, I keep having a burp and hiccup and stuff. Do it in my mouth. And I'm not quickly. that wasted right now. Gershwin's piece inaugurated a new era in America's musical history, established Gershwin's, re- Gershwin's reputation as an eminent composer, and eventually became one of the most popular of all concert works. The American Heritage Magazine posits that the famous opening clarinet glissando has become instantaneously recognizable to concert audiences, same as Beethoven's Fifth. It's on that level, which is what our destiny was uh, orchestrated, harmonized out of, composed out of. Dude, I have something a little bit, a little bit later that we can talk about with some more of that. I'm not gonna drop it now though, but just give a, the viewers something to look forward to, and it's about heaven and hell. Yo, I'm looking forward to putting that song in the intro. Yeah. Uh, the bartender said, The hall is gone, but our feelings from that night will never fade. People's feelings are in music. It has a history. It's basically life itself. While listening to music, we connect to everything and become one. Ken is the ultimate maestro who risked his life to tell us that. Like, damn, this bartender can spit right now. Dude, I love how he took his father's words about music and the light shining upon you and all that and then added his own like interpretation on top of that about what that meant to him and how he views music dude i like how you pointed it out because i feel like general uh grand maestro sagan does the same thing in one of his last uh quotes of the episode he does like maestro asahina's two biggest simps were revealed on this episode oh yeah dude for sure for sure um what is it uh tact is probably like damn this is my place these are my people after being so misunderstood all of his life, so lonely, so uninspired, lost, and unsure, like this, I'm just like, dude, Tack, so happy for the boy, dude. I know, I yeah. wish he had like just been like, wait, you know what would be a cool road trip? New Orleans, and he was just there the whole time, and he would have just like fit in better. He's coming I'm not back. fucking leaving! He's coming back. <laughs> I'm not leaving! I'm not fucking leaving! No, he, he's gonna go get cassette fixed first, then he's coming back. Well, he bet the- He lost his house, he's gotta find somewhere <laughs> else now. And this might be it. Dude, New Orleans, man. New Orleans. So Tact reveals that Ken Asahino was, in fact, his father. And the whole room was like, what? Dude, I I don't know why, but I wrote down, I'm like, and then Kanye West stands the fuck up. He's got the same (laughs) facial hair as Kanye. And, like, until they said... It's so funny, It took me watching it again to actually get his name as Joe. Because I was just like... That's not Kanye. Like this, it's oh it's Kanye, God, but it's dude. not Kanye. Dude, it is Kanye now. But yeah. it's so funny because he just his chair's on the ground. And he's just standing straight forward, looking at him like something Kanye would do. Like yeah. when you say something stupid, and he just looks at you. The Kanye stare. He was giving yeah. him the Kanye stare. Bro, that's big brain. I wonder if dude, it was you were, inspired by Kanye. You were thinking in doggy style last night, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> it gets all the blood flowing to my brain. Yo, I can't. I can't. So th- this next part. Wait, section. hold on, real quick on the whole. I'm so, I got sidetracked. <laughs> Just died laughing, but I loved, or I. It's less about how I love. I was very worried that he was gonna say something about his dad because he has this interfere about uh-huh. about people hating his father, and like yeah, they were talking like nice stuff 
about his dad, but I was like worried that he wasn't going to like step up and have the courage to be like, bro, that was my dad. But he did, and I loved that for him. Oh, you're right. Yeah, like, that's a little character growth, I feel, where, you know, he, he's stepping out of his shell. He's not... He's facing his his demons, bro. Right. Like, he's not... He does he, that again in this episode, too. Yeah. He, like, this this whole episode was just a great character growth sh- uh, episode. For everyone. For, for everyone, but I think mostly for Tag. Like, Tag grew the most in this episode, I think. Yeah. And, I, yeah, just really awesome that he had the courage to actually say it because i thought he was just gonna the whole time i thought he was just gonna leave that on the table he finds his place he he finds his people he like he he's finally confirmed that he's not going crazy that the world isn't like he's not built for this world like there's places for him he has people to relate to and and we're happy for him and we get to see him genuinely for at first it's a it's a really awkward weird looking smile but he genuinely smiling a little bit and we'll get to that but this next section i just wrote never kidnap Anna. I wrote. And uh, it cuts right to a scene with Anna Cassette returning from the errands that they ran, their little side quest yep. missions. Uh, and Cassette is trying to describe the new food she ate, and it was just adorable, dude. No, it was the cat. And the food. She it's said, both. that thing was so... How do I put it? And then she just describes it. It was just... It was like succulent and fluffy. And then she's like, oh, you like the kitten too, right? Anna said... She says, yes, it booped me right before it was time to go. I thought that was so cute. I love that so much. Dude, she knows what booping means, probably from Titan. But, I mean, like, (laughs) I also took that as, too, as, like, she probably just got a cat off the roof, and this cat's, like, freaking the hell out, and it starts smacking her. But it's Cassette, who can throw a piano 500 feet in the air. So, yeah, that's a boop to her. (laughs) Yeah, it's just her face is just all scratched up. It booped me. Yeah. (laughs) Normal people would just be bleeding. Because that's just like, aw, little kitty. It's because she's dense. And Anna is just too good, bro. Maybe All right. One day. And we're back. Randy P may or may not have. Remember to plug the... The, the mixer in. But we're good now. Things saved. We got batteries. Thank God we threw those batteries in there, huh? For real. Dude. I'm wearing... I'm not even going to say it. I'll tell you at the end when everything's all good. But yeah. You, you are wearing the cursed shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So. We yeah, we said it. I'm wearing the Deku shirt. God we're damn. We're going to make it through. Deku, you useless piece of shit. Shout out to people who heard like our first few podcasts. <laughs> Maybe I don't even any think any of the Deku shirt wearing podcasts even made it up. To, yeah. to the publishing point. That's funny. It's garbage, dude. My Hero Academia. Shout out My Hero Academia. But yeah, this episode it reminds me of when I was taking notes on Avatar, the Last Airbender. Because I'm like, damn, this is annoying. Because we got like they'd all separate into different. They'd be doing different things, and then the, it would cut from one scene to the next to the next, and then and all it like really like crazy moments too. Yeah, so, like, I had, it was hard to, like, organize my notes. So, so we're back to the bar now. Now, we're leaving Cassette after they get invited into the house, Cassette and Anna, to the dinner by the crazy delusional lady, it seems like. Back to the bar, right? Bartender and some other fellow, the Kanye guy. Opening, oh, yeah, Kanye. Opening up a giant vault door. When I first saw that, I'm like, uh-oh, scary prison under the bar. 
Dude, I thought that was where, like, all the young people were going to be. <laughs> oh, my God. Finally, we get to hear Pop Smoke. <laughs> it's, just tucked, uh, it's just, like, tucked away little, like, performance hangout area. Like, VIP. Uh, very so soundproofed. Cool. I love that it's a speakeasy for music. Mm-hmm. Like, when alcohol was prohibited in the United States, speakeasies popped up everywhere as a place to drink with your buddies, even though it was legal. And this is exactly that, but for music. It'd be cool to stumble upon a couple, like, bunch riddled in the game, across the map in the game and stuff like that. You go down there and they're, save they're and you the buy stuff points. in the yeah. shop. Yeah. Oh, my God. You guys are going to make me play this game. Jesus. Uh, you and, gotta, because I'm not allowed to. So, Joe, uh, the bartender, he's like, this guy here, Joe, Kanye, his name is Joe. He was a tuba player. He uh, always used to brag about playing with Ken, his father. Uh, the bartender's going off again about how great Maestro Asahina is. And Tax says, I get it. Calm, Calm down. down. <laughs> Yo, that was so funny. I loved that line. Big dick energy if we've seen it. And I, Joe's like, oh, you're a little bit more cold than your father. And Tax says, that's just my style. And then starts playing the piano. Okay, Matthew McConaughey, pianist, bro. Dude, for sure. I love that. It was such a sweet moment. But the, I... The bartender, in my mind, because I relate to this bartender on a spiritual level, he's starting to make sense. He's like, he's so straightforward, but but so passionate. It's almost like two conflicting things, and I think that's why he was like having a hard time getting it out, and he wanted to exclaim that, proclaim that, because it, like straightforward is like to the point, almost robotic, you know, without thinking, uh, you know, no flair or uh, finesse, but or pizzazz. But there's so much passion in it still. Yeah. So and it's almost kind of like like destiny. She's very passionate about killing the D2s. We find out why in this episode, which is awesome, but she's still very robotic and straightforward. And she is a living embodiment of tax composition, just like his father's. And uh, Joe even says it a little bit, you know, the Asahina sound lives on. And the, the, the symbolism is just hitting right now. Did anybody else get, like, that tingly feeling in their body? You know, like... Pins and needles. Whenever I talk, probably all the listeners. But at this point, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just now, I, I was starting to feel a little something. Like right when he, like he, they say that, and then he like starts playing, and it's just like, yo, I, I can you feel it, Mister? <laughs> how he's like, they're talking, and they're like, oh my god, your dad was so cool. Your dad was like the greatest. Your dad, your dad. And he's like, y'all got a tuning instrument? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Like he, you know, he wasn't listening to a word of it. He was just sitting there trying to tune that piano. And he starts playing. Oh no, we're not even. Oh yeah, he starts. Yeah, playing. he does start playing. He starts playing Rhapsody in Blue, Rhapsody in Motherfucking Blue. Thank you, because in my notes too, I wrote down. I'm like, I know what this is, but I can't put my finger on it. Like I, I knew I heard it before. Yeah, I just had this Fantasia thing like stuck in my head, but he was just warming up right here. And uh, Joe is all up in his feels, you know, Kanye, Joe, yeah. uh, drinking, and he says, there's nothing I can do anymore, nothing at all. I'm just here, Yo, day in and day out, watching my life pass by. He's taking this harder than Spades would. Every time Spades Yo, I would like, be, I wouldn't, my life would be shit without music. I would just not exist as Spades, right? Yeah, and and this guy, I think he's taking it just a little harder. Well, I mean, his livelihood was playing music, so would you take that away from a person and 
It gets dark real quick. Yeah, he's like, my, my, I peaked. My life peaked. It's so obvious. I see it. There's a car alarm. Uh, the mixer's probably picking up. Shout out. It's a nice little metronome beat for us to go off to. Mm, 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 yeah. Mm, what? Mm. Oh, it's done. And when the sings. <laughs> uh, so Tact looks over. Smiles. Well, for the at least first you're... time in like a long And it's time. awkward. It looks weird. Like it was, he hasn't done it in a while. Yeah. It's like you hear his cheeks cracking, right? Yeah, they're rusty. <laughs> that anime like leather wallet fist tightening. That... And he says, well, at least you're alive. You can hear me perform today. And like, oh, I'm happy. This is exciting. And there's that MF and smile. Looked Bro. mad awkward at first. But uh, as he's playing, you can, you can see it's warming up on him. And he wears that motherfucker. He wears that motherfucking smile. I love the uh, the cheeky uh, arrogance that he gave there. Oh, yeah. He's because, confident. Well, especially because in episode two, I believe, where they do the initial flashback to him playing before the festival in his garage. And he's like, I don't, I'm not good enough to play in front of people. Thank he says you. that to Cassette. I took that away, too, because well, he was telling her, like, he's like, no one's going to want to hear my music in a world without music. And right. now he's like... Yeah, this is great. You get to hear me play. Like, you... this is a treat for you because that's how good I am. This I is love huge, that man. Dude, Tact is growing up so fast, dude. I mean, it... it's it's six episodes in, so no, it's I, about I, time. I'm just a you know, proud dad. Oh, Daddy yeah. friend. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I was like... so glad to see that. It was so, like, Tact is really hard to deal with, I would think, as a person. So to hear him go from... His shut in the garage, like only play the piano, don't talk to anyone type self to growing up to this like now now you guys get to hear me play and happily playing for public people. Like that that was so cool. And it all made sense. You know, his uh facing his fears, making it through there, all the context was there, him realizations, information gained and then uh, we see it. It's 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 just too good. It's, it's like so mad, but it's music. Too. The vibes were immaculate. And then we cut back. Hey, we're back to Anna Cassette now, and this is happening at the same time, right? Uh, it's funny because Cassette gets real with a crazy woman, and I just really like the irony in it because she's crazy and the other one's crazy, so it really doesn't matter what they say to each other. But it ended up really mattering, and it, it's just. Beautifully ironic, really. Uh, yeah. The advice she gives her right at the beginning. And, like, you know it's about tact, too. She's like, sometimes you got to give a man like that a good kick and say, get out and never come back. And you know this is going to come up later. Yeah, a little before that, we find out that this lady that invited our cassette and Anna into her house is uh, suffering really bad from the loss of her young daughter. And now she's just convinced that she's still alive and sees her in other people. And the husband comes home, explains it to Anna. And uh, they were very... Everyone was just really nice about it. And yeah. I'm happy about that. I was going to say, know, this was not dark the first time. This was not the first time that she's taken somebody in going, Oh, that's my daughter. Come on in. It's dinner time. But, you know, big sis Anna on the on the case, smoothing it all over and, and making sure everything happens in a copacetic way. Yeah. So Cassette is chatting with the mother of Maria and learns a cool new catchphrase. Like you said, did you say the catchphrase? Uh, yeah. It's y- like, a, don't you dare come back here or something like that, right? I, I didn't write down the catchphrase, but it's something very similar. It's like, you got to kick him. You got to kick a guy like that and say, 
get out of here and don't ever come back. And I can't wait to hear that in the future episode. And like, because Cassette will actually kick him too. Yeah, I think she didn't she say something like, "Oh yeah, I'll write that down" or something. Noted. Noted. Or noted. Yeah, yeah. Beep boop. Noted. Uh, she said, "Yes, my sister." Oh, while she praises her big sister. She said, "She said she can do anything, and this is just the greatest, man! I loved oh my it so god! Much. Oh my god!" She said, "Yes, my sister does not have the strength to fight, but she protects me. It's because that she is with us that we are able to stay on this journey. And this is just so heartwarming. This is where the butterflies and the yeah. gooses and the gooses, oh, oh, the goosebumps." She also tells her too how she can f- change a flat tire and fix a deck. Yeah. It's like, beautiful. She saw it all for his hand. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, we we didn't talk about how cassette did <laughs> when she when when uh, Anna fixes the deck that cassette makes a giant hole in it with the hammer oh my God. because cassette can never not break something with it, like her superhuman strength. It's funny because I wrote that down too. I'm like the only real mistake Anna has made this entire series so far is trying to teach cassette how to put a nail into a deck. Yeah. That's that's the only mistake she's really made. The I, whole time from beginning to end, I'm like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? No, why are you doing wait. this? No. I was surprised that the hole was as small as it was. Like, she just put the hammer through the board. She was I, trying, dude. Yeah she, yeah. she had restraint. She had restraint. But it just still wasn't enough to have some a pretty serious damage. Sorry, quick aside on that because I wanted to make sure we mentioned it. Yeah. Destiny's grip strength noted. Oh, God. Noted. Re- uh where are we at? Oh, man. All right. And then as she's praising Anna to this uh, delusional lady right now, uh, she stuffs her mouth. This is ironic and really cool. And says, even the maestro is full. She, look, I, I'm trying to talk the food in my mouth, but I only got a whole bunch of air in my mouth right now. Uh, even the maestro is a fool who is obsessed with the piano. And I was like, that's funny because she's like stuffing her face, speaking while she has food in her mouth. And she's... Calling someone else a fool. Yeah, dissing him on his little quirk when she's displaying her little quirk right there. It was just adorably ironic again. Yeah. It always hits, too, whenever they do that in this show. Yeah, man. The presentation is so good. It's so hard not to to do it wrong with uh, the production like this out of Madhouse and Mappa, man. Uh, The only skill the maestro has is the piano. This is so touching, bro. But the maestro's music is very passionate. You can feel very strong emotions come through. It is truly a battle of life or death. It's the same when, I, when I'm in battle. His passionate feelings flow into me and I become the music that the maestro plays himself. It's times like this that I'm happy to be a music heart. If we defeat all the D2s, must defeat, the maestro will be able to play music freely. And that makes me happy, too. And I'm like, damn, she she explains her motives for obsessing over killing D2s. She's not like a destroy-all-humans-type robot. She's a robot. She's actually super ultra-sweet. No, I wrote that down because I was like, wow, that's probably like going to be one of the biggest quotes that you get to hear from Cassette. And I, usually a, a, bit, a reveal like that, a motive reveal like that, is like big like end of the anime almost type stuff but you know apparently they have some greater stuff in store for us some heavier hitting stuff i'm sure plenty I six more episodes baby we're only at the halfway point i that think is so... 12 confirmed yeah that... oh it is mm-hmm. wow that was so heartfelt too that whole conversation and and then you also when it cuts back to tact and he's playing the piano 
and you get to see like cassette like standing behind him like at the festival again too yes that's right so right after as she's telling the the mother and cassette are having this like moment where cassettes like i don't know learning like just growing hard as hell she even said it herself in the car in the first scene of the episode she's growing before our eyes right and there's a reunion i call this part the reunion and a cassette finally make their way back to the car and anna this is funny anna says in a nonchalant way no non-expressive i wonder if tact is still breathing he he might have just roasted in the sun by now <laughs> yeah and no a cassette oh, you're good what's up i was gonna say no respect for our dog no, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're going to forgive Anna for that one. We're just going to forget it happened. Uh, Cassette points out that he is, in fact, over here in this building to the right. Uh, Tact is always able to sense where a piano is, she says. And I think this is adorable because she's just kind of comparing it to how she senses D2s. Yeah, that's how I felt about that, too. It's, it's like exactly the only way she it understands it. She's like, see, he's just like me. That's my conductor. I'm adorable. I'm like, ooh, you're right. You're You're right. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Uh, uh, what is it? Tact completes his performance. So you're saying she was standing behind her in like the same position? It what, wasn't what? It wasn't actually cassette. It was like a, it was just the a memory. Oh, it, it was like, I see. Yeah. Like when she was standing behind him when he first got to the music festival and started playing, mm-hmm. she's standing behind him and. It's the last time play. he was able to play with that type of confidence yes. and, and, and passion, I suppose, right? And he even looks back like how he nodded her to come sit down and play, too. And I think that also was a nice little like metaphor, too, because it was right after Cassette had explained her uh, you know, motive to, to defeat D2s, like you were saying. Yeah. Because it like, cuts back to tact, and it shows that little scene where it's like a imaginary cassette standing behind him and i think that's because that's their goal that's what they want to get back right and i think that's and i think that her motive of wanting him to play freely is really cassette's motive not destiny's right because cassette was one of the only people like because she said that in that episode it's a polymerization of cassette and destiny's wills yeah wills and desires Shizzle, yeah, that's Cassette's influence on the music art. Right. Mm-hmm. That model. That, And I think that also kind of gives you a hint that maybe she's not too far gone. She's like, still in there. She's still in there. Just like Anna said, she's going to be right. Shizzle, dude. Tack completes his performance and Joe thanks him. Bro, uh, imagine being thanked by Kanye. Yeah. Imagine. Oh, my God. I would be, like, thrown back into the wall by some crazy energy force. I'd been throwing up. I wouldn't know how to handle that. My body would just straight up vomit. Yeah, yeah start I think the, melting. I think the last time Kanye thanked someone was uh, Taylor Swift when she won a Grammy. <laughs> that was a thank you? Huh, it yeah. was. He said it. He said that, yeah. yeah thank you, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Wow. Oh, man. I love that shit, dude. Shout out. But... And then it jumps. And, oh, he thanks him with a parting gift to show his gratitude. And, uh... We just got a little sneak peek of it. It's a manila folder envelope with some musical sheets in there. I wonder what it is. It might be like an original composed by Asahina himself. That's what I thought. Because that looked very much like music notes. And he's going to perform that shit on the deadliest boss. Kind of like Goblin Slayer when he whipped out that freaking water scroll. 
You because you also saw him practicing it on the window too. Oh, he's getting yeah. ready. He's getting ready. Yeah, he was happy as hell. He's wearing a smile. Uh, then it jumps to a scene. It's different, different vibes, dude. Of a uh, Grand Maestro Sagan's presidentially ass office. What's up? Before that, uh-huh. there's one last thing I want to point out when they go into the car and they're leaving. Mm-hmm. Cassette has like crackers and jam. Yeah. And she dips the cracker into the jam, and it's like a pound of jam. Like, yeah, an eight-inch glob of it sitting on top of on that cracker. On one cracker, and she eats it, and she's like the happiest she's ever been. And, and I relate like, to so that. It's so good. And Anna's like, yeah, you better save me some. And she's about to like put it in her mouth, and she's like, uh, I can try. <laughs> she's starting to learn how to, like, oh, I don't have to obey. Like, it's not just black and white. I love that so like, much. It's not yes, just yes or no. This, I can give people a maybe. This is Anna's second mistake. <laughs> Trusting cassette this time with food. We got to keep Anna fed. The boon, her booty needs it. <laughs> but all right, so now it jumps to a scene of this uh, fancy-ass presidential-ass office of mm-hmm. Grand Maestro Sagan. And uh, some office ladies with him. I mean, I always saw from the back. When I saw from the front, we know that it is heaven, who we saw on the My Anime list. Her eyes are so cool looking. They're mesmerizing. She's saying that, and that concludes the report from hell. Uh, And he's like, he's he's very shocked, General Sagan, or Grandmaster Sagan, and happy to learn that Ken Asahina's son is alive and has awakened as a conductor. So he's like surprised, like, oh, perhaps like art shot in the dark experiment worked. I see. It's weird. It's really weird, because there's a part of me that's like, I think he's actually a good guy. Spades, Spades hates him right off the bat. Really? Spades did not trust him. I'm like, I don't know. I feel like he's just not fully in the loop. Exactly. Yeah. Like, because it's it's also weird that Heaven and Hell killed the giant D two, and then also just what they leave. Had they not confirmed like people were maybe still alive there? Because they would have seen Tact alive. I don't think that we got enough from that scene to determine whether or not they were doing that or not. You know, it was a yeah. really quick scene. But also, you can see Schindler, right off the bat on episode two, was not being subtle. He's like, oh yeah, make sure you protect everyone. Mm-hmm. When the Grand Maestro, Sagan, was just like, this is a great thing. This is a good old music hall for everyone that get together and have fun. If we go back in that episode and watch it now, we might see a couple little hints like maybe like Schindler whispered something to him and then he left and went to his car like oh you have a phone call or something like that like it will probably get filled in later on no and like Grandmaster Sagan too when he was hearing Tact play he looked happy he looked happy see I thought he was up to something but that's because I was so suspicious of Schindler that I was just like I don't trust any y'all but you don't see heaven there you only saw hell with the tuning fork Hmm. so this is my conspiracy take on this because we had we had talked about you know what the mischievous stuff that's going on with the symphonica and i think that lenny's mission to like investigate the symphonica from within was well that's a theory in its own right which i don't know if i'm on board with okay well this is what i'm saying is that i think that was given to him by sagan because i think sagan knows that schindler's up to something and Schindler is like the big bad. Yeah, 
I'm on board with that theory. That sounds like a splendid recipe. It all makes sense as of now. I'm very on board with that theory. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But this presentation of Sagan just made him seem like a really nice dude. I mean, Lenny could be like Jiraiya. Like, dude, we want you to be Hokage, but like you're too horny and like, but you're so powerful and badass. And he's just like coming out of retirement. Yeah, you're you're a better teacher than you are a. uh... And he's like, man, I gotta go tell Kakashi what's going on, my old friend. Yeah, like it could just be like. It wasn't a mission given to him, but it's just on his own prerogative. Either or, I think it is one of the. It right. is looking like that. Right. That is a good one. Cause every we've been thinking in doggy. I I don't think Sagan's <laughs> a bad guy. I, he's he's Grand Maestro Asahina's second biggest simp, so I don't see him wanting to scheme against Tact by any means. Well, it also he didn't realize that Tact was alive still. Yeah, and there's a little bit more, too, here. It says, Heaven also mentioned that Commander Schindler has suggested countermeasures, a.k.a. missile strikes, <laughs> for the matter at hand, she says, whatever that is. Uh, and General uh, Grandmaster Sagan responds with, I'll go discuss it in person with him. Almost uh, signifying, like, signaling, like, I don't, I, got, I don't know if I trust a me- just a message and him following it. Like, I need to go make sure. Yeah, this sensitive matter is handled delicately, right. which mm-hmm. is a good sign, like a good general thing to do, you know. And there's a big quote, bro. He hits us with a big quote, like we said. Uh, the bartender expanded upon Ken Asahina's famous quote, and uh, his old friend, his uh, number one simp, Sagan, also does that. He says, "No matter what kind of despair may come down upon us," and I like how. That's the light that shines down upon us in the same words. So no matter what kind of despair may come down upon us, there are those strong enough to climb up and play the timber of life. I'm sure he will do everything he can. Yes, because he is the son of the rooster. The second time we hear the rooster. Yeah, and he so. confirmed it right there. The uh, rooster is dead. Mm-hmm. So that was great, man. And I had looked up timber. Timbre. Timber. It just means like the, the quality of a sound, a very unique type sound, whatever, like a sound thing. Okay, good. At least I wasn't the only one who had to look that up. I'm like, huh, is that why they say timber when the tree's falling down? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not a lumberjack. I thought it was just like a wood thing. Like, oh, look, falling piece of timber. Is it timber or isn't it lumber? Do people call wood timber as well? Thought so. That might be one of those, uh, what do they call those things? Colloquial. No, no. Uh, the, Isn't that what birds have? I, I'm not a bird expert. Like the Bearstein Bears, the Beerstein Bears or whatever. I but, only deal with bird law. You know what I'm saying? The thing. I know what you're talking about. Where it's like... Oh, uh, uh, the like different universe effect thing? Yeah. Mandala. Mandala. Mandala, Mandala. effect, dude. Maybe Thank we you. just you had th- to say th- effect. Maybe that's with timber and lumber. We just think of timber because of the... Because you yell timber. Yeah. When, the, when the lumber falls. They might be yelling timber because timber... Yelling timber is, in fact, a timber. Ooh, baby. It's a sound. Oh. Like, sound! I'm making a sound! But isn't that timber... Damn. Isn't that timber spelled differently? I don't know. I stopped my Google at that point. That's fair. I would, too. I didn't yeah, want to no, dive like, down the, the wood rabbit hole. Yeah, you're already thinking in the Jacko pose. <laughs> Yo! All right, that's what happens when you think in reverse cow. But speaking of sound, I got another hot... Hot new conspiracy. Again? Yeah, this is, I mean, it's less of a conspiracy and more just like of a... Oh, it's a... 
what is it? Go on. So it's like a hypothetical of like what uh, heaven and hell's music created them. Because, you know, this is like our first time seeing heaven speak. And, you know, we've seen hell already. And uh, I think their name being heaven and hell, like they have to be connected somehow. So I think that they might be like sisters that were born from the same piece of music called heaven and hell. Oh, right. Um, so there's a there's a opera that has music composed by Jacques Offenbach mm. called Orpheus in the Underworld, but in Japan it's known as Heaven and Hell. I see. And uh, in the opera, the famous Infernal Gallop was first heard. In that opera, that was com- that was composed by a different person after Offenbach named Carl Binder, but that's like another famous uh, uh, like piece of music. And uh, shout out Reddit for giving me this theory. I, I added the sister part, mm. but but pointing out that Orpheus in the Underworld is heaven and hell when you translate it back from Japanese is a little interesting. And I wonder if that's maybe what they were birthed from. Yeah, that's that's our what we're calling it for for their what they're composed out of. Right, right. Nice. I love learning that stuff, dude. I can't wait to get it because, dude, we know hell is interesting, and now we have this like you know like sun. Big hat, sundress wearing, very calm looking. Uh, well, I was gonna say magical girl, but music art. What were you saying, Pink? Hachisako. You know, you ever see the eight foot ghost lady with the sun hat? Yes. Yeah, that's they had that's what I thought of. Big representation representation of that in one of Vanilla's picks. Uh, Other side picnic. Oh yeah. She was one of the bad guys, and. It, uh, looks like a bug catcher girl, perhaps from Pokemon, or oh, okay. the bug catcher girl that I reference from St- I'm Staying on a Million Lives, who the the game meister, the game ma- I'm saying meister now, when I'm not supposed to, and I'm saying maestro when I, from Staying on a Million Lives, the game master when he comes to the earth, yeah, yeah, and and she's just a Lady very Dimitrescu. nice looking character design, but like it's kind of scary, like you're very calm and. But, it's because of her eyes. Her eyes are freaky. And her whole demeanor, she's like her posture and everything. It kind of reminds me of like that one, uh, not captain from Bleach, where she was the healer and she used to be the old captain of like the badass assassins guild, and she's very calm and like retired now. And but there's still that aura. Nobody fucks with her. Yeah, like I wouldn't want problems with yeah. her. You can just tell like by that. that posture. That's a stance of like confidence and power see i i was thinking more that she was still robotic like because like destiny is currently with the the top conductor i think it's, it's maybe that's probably just, layers i was thinking mm-hmm. maybe she just likes to be like that like very composed and like uh you know taking orders from the boss kind of person a sub yes anna <laughs> in your dreams no anna's Quite probably literally. anna's a sub she goes around Taking people's deliveries, fixing their decks. She's a hardworking, independent woman. She's sub as fuck. No, one person not. goes. Boy, one person says, He's "Please take my deliveries." I'm sorry. What? Manifesting his own desires. My. De- you don't listen to me very often, do you? My desires. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just you know, it's, it's not safe to say all their desires on air. That's fair. I don't oh. think mine would be either. <laughs> Yash. Yeah, stay out my homework folder. <laughs> Did you shush me, dude? <laughs> it, the I funny will, part is that you, shush. you say that we can't say his desires on air, but we also couldn't show his desires, which are represented on his shirt and hat. <laughs> you ain't wrong. <laughs> yeah, the video coming soon, dude. How's that Easter egg? 
Maybe. But, yeah, I mean, that's all the notes Franny, Franny P's got. Yeah, I covered everything I got, too. All in all, just like a really sweet character-building episode. Little change of pace, caught us off guard with no action, but like they mm-hmm. hinted at it, they they acknowledged it, and they served it on a sterling silver plate, bro. And then Cassette ate that shit up. Yeah. And then As hopefully she describes it to us afterwards. Oh my God, anytime she describes something, mm. it's just the cutest thing. It tasted like character growth. <laughs> I could maybe have another plate of this, but not too many. Maybe another battle with the D2 first. Yeah, but I'm not complaining about the lack of action. No, no, this was the this was a great episode, despite being like a combat oriented anime, having none in it. It's not like Dragon Ball filler episodes. It's not like Naruto's swing. We no, had... this was swing music in an underground bar. And it, yeah. it's it's nice because every time this show doesn't do the action portion, it just heavily focuses on the music portion, which is another huge theme of the show, and we got a lot of that. Yeah, the mm-hmm. atmosphere, the aesthetics, the the whole vibes, the the guild, the people in the town that grew up with that mu- type of music is it's just uh all different types of flavors in this dish. Dude, it's fucking that's what happens when you visit New Orleans, man. New Orleans great. And uh. it was spiced up with all that info too. A lot of juicy info on a lot of things and a lot of people. What do you guys think about when you think of New Orleans? Is it jazz? Is that the first thing that comes to mind? I think of jazz music, Mardi Gras, and Cajun food. Yeah, I'd say so. I think about all those things, but then I also think of uh, Tony Hawk Underground. Is that one of the maps? Yeah, they go to they go to New Orleans in one one uh, part of the game, and it was just like the best map because there was like a bunch of cool shit. And then you went to like the red light district. And he did, like, cool tricks off stuff. Oh, damn. Was that, like, near the end of the game where the dude rides the tank to the wall? I think it's, like, they, like, battle a giant monster in New Orleans. But you do it through skateboarding. Well, we had none, no giant monsters in this one, New Orleans. Thank goodness. Keep yeah, playing right, that music, right. baby. We learned a lot about our boy Richard Wagner and Gersh. Big, Gersh Daddy. Big Daddy Gersh. Big Daddy Gersh and Dick Waggers. The Gersh <laughs> You know what it is, right? With Damn. Fucking Grandmaster suck on these musical nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so, oh. cheer, dude. Everybody, all you all you hot and spicy listeners, you kawaii little derpy uwus. Yeah. Keep thinking of doggy. Till the next episode. And is that a Dr. Dre reference? <laughs> oh, I didn't look at you, and I just was gonna do a little, and then the Saints come marching in again, and then you talked right when I talked, and now I feel bad. Well, Sorry, listeners. Die Meister, singer Von Franny Pack out, Rhapsody in Pink out, and uh, <laughs> uh, what is it? Clef Clef Pizza, Clef Pizza, Clef Note Pizza, Clef note pizza. made of Legos, Lego Clef Note Pizza, <laughs> Clef the Boy Chin Wonder. <laughs> See you next the week. the boy pizza wonder, baby. <laughs> I call the pink kneecap. That's all, folks.